Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 241 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off, like usual, with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's going on this week, Richard? It's going well, Seth. Ready to eat some gingerbread cookies? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I... I, I got a gingerbread cookie from Wizards in the Mail. I ate part of it on stream. I got to say, it looked really good. I'm Turns not the out biggest, to be a poison apple. No. Yeah, I, I was a little worried that maybe they were trying to poison me based on like me criticizing historic or something. But it was actually it was actually better than I thought. There was no poison apple. Uh, I survived. Uh, how about you, Grim? Did you get a gingerbread? And did you eat the gingerbread if you did? Uh, I was pretty happy to receive a gingerbread cookie. And apparently, I was one of the few people that had it that where it wasn't broken like in Mine some way had a broken arm yeah right which uh like i i think there is some people online talking about does this mean anything specifically and i was like <laughs> uh i think it means usps not. is not very careful with their packages <laughs> yeah. that was my takeaway <laughs> uh i see i did like i was wondering that and i, I of course i was wondering that after i ate it of course, because guys, because like, I thought wizards, you shouldn't have eaten it. Yeah, now at night the gingerbread cookies are coming for you. Like, did you not learn anything from the trailer? They're fighting I back. It, I ate it the day before the trailer. If Same. I had seen the trailer, there Same. is no way I would have eaten it because I would have worried about that. Like gingerbread woman coming to like poke me in the eye with that. Fork like, thing. like Garrick can take on you know animated gingerbread cookies. Garrick but can does you, have a Seth? <laughs> No, I I imagine I'm gonna have to go back and watch the stream. I imagine it actually looked a lot like the trailer with like the cookie is probably like crumbling down my beard as I was eating it so I think I did the Garrick thing like a day before the, the trailer came out but yeah a little, little nervous about the revenge of the gingerbread woman yeah I felt way worse after I watched the trailer and eating the gingerbread cookie and also had it crumbling down my beard you know what I mean so yeah. uh yes uh, hopefully Cram got all the crumbs out of his uh his beautiful beard before thank the podcast you. thank you uh, Anyway, our topic for today, as you probably would have guessed, Throne of Eldraine, we have a ton of cards, early preview cards, official preview season start today, so we have like a million cards to talk about, both from the set proper and also from the Throne of Eldraine sort of like adjacent brawl decks, which I guess are like technically part of Throne of Eldraine, they're set numbered to go along with Throne of Eldraine and have the set symbol, but are like a standalone product too, so tons of Throne of Eldering to talk about. Before we jump into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by SpikesAcademy.com, and Spikes Academy is presenting a new course about Limited, this time with Hall of Famer and Super Great Limited player Ben Stark. And in the course, Ben will teach you how to be a better draft and sealed player and build better draft and sealed decks and how to evaluate cards for Limited. So get ready to crush your next pre-release event with Spikes Academy and the new Limited course featuring Ben Stark. You can even use the code goldfish to get a 5% discount over at spikesacademy.com today. So thank you so much for uh, supporting the show to Spikes Academy. And with that, let's talk Throne of Eldraine. We got a really big list of cards we want to talk about, but before we do, uh, I got to ask you guys about the trailer. I literally, I was sitting watching the wizard stream. It was a little bit weird. It was like a half hour of cookie baking, which was very abstract and like avant-garde Free for wizards. baking lessons is, you know, something you shouldn't <laughs> overlook here. <laughs> that, is, that is an upside. It did kind of make me want to try to make my own gingerbread, like follow along <laughs> with the video and make my own cookies. But, uh, but then they played the trailer and I gotta say if you haven't seen it yet, it's on YouTube. I was actually like kind of floored that wizard made this trailer. Like they picked up their trailer game with war the spark but i think that the throne of eldraine trailer in my opinion even blew the war of the spark trailer out of the water it was just so good so what did you guys think of the preview show and the the teaser trailer thing for throne of eldraine i, I am so excited yeah <laughs> about gingerbread cookies okay <laughs> i'm waiting for our gingerbread planeswalker i don't know i don't know when that's going to happen but <laughs> that that trailer was super sweet I also might have potentially ruined it for myself because it, I kept hearing Shrek in my head and I kept hearing Smash Mouth playing at, at when, as soon as Garrick uh, burst through the door. <laughs> I, I, I felt emotions. I was a little sad and then I hated Garrick. I'm like, Garrick, why would you do this? <laughs> the triumphant return of Garrick, the gingerbread cookies. I'm just ready to see gingerbread tribal going on. I'm ready to see 
what other things are going to fight back, right? Like the whole the whole premise is there are fairy tales, things are happening, but then the fairy tales fight back. And I think the trailer did a great job of showcasing that. And it was just really good. Like I, I thought War of the Spark trailer was really good. And then somehow Watsi like one up themselves. Uh, and it felt like it was more high production. Like last time it was still kind of more like the still graphics kind of deal. Now it just looks like a fully animated short. So I actually enjoyed, I enjoyed it. And I hope they keep it up for the next couple sets, which they also announced. Uh, yeah, oh, they so much Theros. Theros, uh, some monster world. Yeah, Aquarius. Tef- Teferi like set. Aquaria. Yeah, Core 2021. Re- say it Say it with me, Seth. Core 2021. <laughs> I, I am already dreading the next core set. <laughs> I am. And then return to return to return to return to Zendikar. Yeah, fetches. fetches. We're going to get fetches. Calling it. I already called it on Twitter, but I'm calling it again here. Fetches. This is like return. the fourth return? The third return? Like how this you- is the third, yeah. This is the third yeah. return. We've had three return. Like, that's the most we've returned to a set so far, right? or a plane so far, right? We we like uh, we like Zendikar, apparently. Although, last time, Battle for Zendikar, I thought it was, was kind of so like bad. a flop. It sell- yeah. apparently oh, it sold yeah. well, I, which I, I think was like because it. of masterpieces, but it seemed like the response from the community was pretty negative, but it feels like maybe they figured it out. Like, I think my problem with Battle for Zendikar is it felt like Return to Rise of the Eldrazi more than it felt like anything to do with Zendikar. So I think they said this is going to be more like original Zendikar, like the adventure world and like the original theme. So maybe this return will kind of nail it. Yeah, I I hope so, because Battle for Zendikar was kind of a dud of a set for me. I I mean, I just... I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like a lot of the cards from it. Devoid. Gideon. Worst mechanic ever. It does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Although, it, that did introduce us to, yeah, Devoid, which was funny. I, I did, I did like Devoid, <laughs> but, cause it was, I think I only liked Devoid because at the time, I couldn't deal with Etch Champion, so I played Brutal Expulsion. <laughs> <laughs> that that was an answer. Or out, out of Grixis like, control, of course. Yep. Or the like Eldrazi sweeper. I can't yeah, remember the name of uh, like the Eldrazi um, pyroclasm. Uh, that we oh, uh, and you get it back. Yeah, the return the, of Kozilek. Yeah, something like that. And then you, you get to deal more damage if you cast a a big Eldrazi spell. Anyway, I think we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We're like <laughs> a year away from Zedekar, but it is returning today. We have a lot of cards that are coming out in like two weeks now. We're very close to Throne of Eldorain release. So let's talk about some cards we're going to be playing with very shortly. And uh, Richard, why don't you guide us through some of these sweet new cards? All right, we're going to start off with a Planeswalker, two Planeswalkers, and one card at 3CMC, the Royal Scions. So Will and Rowan Kenrith are the... Uh, protagonists in this world and they have their own card so one blue and a red five loyalty plus one draw a card then discard a card plus one up to one target creature gets plus two plus zero and gains first strike and trample until end of turn minus eight draw four cards when you do the royal scions deals damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand i mean i think this is a pretty good planeswalker i mean just Okay, so here's my argument. Remember uh, Jace Friend's Prodigy that just yep. was like a looter planeswalker? This is kind of just like a planeswalker that sits out and loots every single turn and improves your hand, and then eventually maybe you ultimate it, and the ultimate's pretty sweet, like an opportunity that also maybe deals, I don't know, 4 to 11 damage, depending on how many cards are in your hand. I-, I think that just sitting out and looting every turn and immediately going up to 6 loyalty, I think that's pretty powerful on a 3-mana planeswalker. I I kind of hey. wish the alt on it was lower on 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 counters. I think it could be like maybe seven. <laughs> I don't know. You, you guys you guys are thinking about this all wrong. Remember uh, Legion Loyalist? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. This is basically Legion Loyalist, right? It gives your creatures first strike and trample, so you need to use that second plus one, which means you need to be in an is it aggro deck, which. You know, it's not really a common thing. I mean, but I, I think it's going to be, yeah, like a mono red type deck splashing blue, and you have to use that second plus. And that's basically Legion Loyalist and plus two, plus zero, first strike trample. Well, only one creature gets hard. It, I mean, what about. I- 
What about I like is it drakes? Like, can you imagine using that on a like a crackling drake? That's a lot Wait, of damage. Do you really need that plus two plus zero on a crackling? Drake? <laughs> it, it's, it's maybe, the maybe trample. there's a chump blocker. It's the trample. Yeah, just being able to trample over stuff seems pretty good. I mean, I I do like it enough that it can loot, and then it, it gets to potentially trample through. I guess that's pretty cool. I just yeah, I think my only gripe is that it. it Costing eight to do the draw four is kind of a bummer. I don't know. So is I, this modern playable? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say you I can pitch doubt it to it. force of negation. Actually, so <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's three mana, five loyalty. Right? It's a big. It's, it's basically Narset. It's a big planeswalker. It is a lot of loyalty uh, for three mana. Yeah, and it goes up to six. Like, there is more graveyard synergies, I think, in modern than standard, but I don't know. Oh, I'm is still this not. The replacement for faithless. Yes, this. <laughs> this is this is our new faithless looting. Pretty much the same thing. This might be uh, at, like for standard Phoenix. I could see this potentially doing something because you can, like loot away your cra- uh, Arclight Phoenixes or like random cards to grow your Crackling Drake or jumpstart cards. Like maybe it seems like. I don't even know if you'd main deck it, but it seemed like a card that would be very powerful, like, out of the sideboard of Visit Phoenix to bring it against control. Like, if you slip this in under counter spells against control, that seems like a really powerful threat to have on the table. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and once again, it is just drawing and looting every turn, so that is a problem if you're if you're worried about... Like, I mean, if you just let it sit there, eventually you're going to sculpt the right hand. So, yeah, it, it seems pretty sweet. Yeah. It doesn't protect right. itself, though. That's only downside. No, other than it's, having high loyalty, yeah, it doesn't loyalty really protect is. itself. Well, but you've... We'll talk about power creep in the set slightly. Uh, I don't know about five loyalty being <laughs> high enough nowadays, but let's go on to Oko, Thief of Crowns. One green and a blue. Four starting loyalty. Legendary Planeswalker Oko. Plus two, create a food token. That's a new mechanic, and a food token is an artifact where you can pay two, sacrifice it to gain three life. Uh, plus one, target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base, power, and toughness 3-3. Three, three. Minus five, exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. Ah, uh, I, I, I think I like it because first off, it plus, it, you get to plus two, and then you get to minus five the next turn. You no matter what you do, you get to minus five next turn. Yeah, and you I, get to give them your food token. Correct. I love, I love how this shines a light on how bad food tokens are. You're, you you like want them just so you can give them away for an actual magic card. I I, 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 I I'm thinking of it more like it's good. flavor. It's a yeah. I think food tokens pretty sweet, and I th- think that uh. It's it's like the whole like it's like a trap, right? If you're coming to this this plane and you eat food here, it's it's uh forgot which fairy tale is it, but it's very grim fairy tales like. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I, I guess a trap. It's literally three life. You don't lose no, 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 no. no. It, it's like it's like flavor wise, like you're giving them the food at the exchange of like whatever your creature is or or, or something like that. I'm like I like that. I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I think this card is insane, actually. So plus one is like a beast within. Except it doesn't go to the graveyard. Like it's just permanently a three-three elk, and it can be it can be your creature, can be their creature. Uh, you can make a food token and then make it into a three-three elk if you feel like it. Yeah, and I think food tokens will be sneaky good in this yeah. set. I, like you don't, it's it's something like you don't want to pay mana or cards for. But you can just imagine a game going long and you've accumulated like six food and you're like, well, that's eighteen life, haha, right? <laughs> like I can see that happening. So yeah. you don't want to like explicitly pay cards or mana for this, but as side effects, they just sit around and then when you're grinding people out trying to trade, you just have all this free life. Yep. And also, uh, th- this card also goes up to six mana. I mean, six loyalty, which is pretty sweet. Uh, it was like what we were talking about with the Royal Scions. Uh, and I, I mean, what, what about something like, uh, what's the two mana, <laughs> uh, kind of bitter blossom? <laughs> Yeah, I think. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> you, no, like, I, there? you could go, like, like turn two, play that, make a one one that gets the, uh, the, whatever, the amass token, and then you turn it into a three three with a one one token on it. Boom. Extra saucy. I, I actually think maybe that's the easiest. Like, I don't know if I would just play this in any Simic deck. My first impression of it is you actually kind of have to build around it, like with the Dreadhorde invasion trick or something. Like, I don't know. 
Beast with Inning doesn't seem that appealing to me in Standard. It seems really good in Commander. Like, a plus one to Beast within Commander seems great. In Standard, how many threats are there, especially in the early game, that you really want to turn into three threes? Like, a lot of times that's going to be improving your opponent's board. Like, yeah, hey, I'll take your one drop and make it into a three three. Thank you uh, for activating your Oku. Well, here, here's the beauty, right? If they have, like, literal nothing, like one ones, you don't Beast within it, right? You just go to six yeah. loyalty and they can't hit your Planeswalker. But if they have something big, like a 6-6, six, six, then you beast within it. But you can make like food beast, food beast, uh, or you can you can beast your own 1-1s, one right? Like there are lots of things you can do with this. It's a three-mana planeswalker. The bar is pretty low. I think that's how I want to play Oku, though, is like trying to use a plus one to turn my own things into three threes, like with Dreadhorde Invasion, or uh, there's other random like one ones that you can upgrade. Upgrading the food tokens that is a way to turn a semi-useful food token into a three three, which seems kind of nice. So I don't. Is this something you just stick in any Simic deck though, or does is this for like? I don't know, food tribal, some sort of like dread horde invasion. <laughs> it would be uh, bread horde invasion around. if it's food. Bread, Remember that. <laughs> it has to be bread horde invasion. Come on. Oh guys. boy. Okay. I, I think it's any deck. I think it's good enough to go in any deck. <laughs> I mean, we have cards like Piper of the Swarm. I, I'm seeing it with Saltai uh, or, or something like that. Uh, Cause like you could create a rat, turn into a three, three. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> I don't know. You, there's a lot you can do, but I, I, I like the card. I, I think it's, pretty sweet. I think both of you are higher on food tokens than I am. I see a food token and I see a bad clue. I mean, maybe I'm hungry food and that's tokens why. And yes, you're, you're a little hungrier than I am. It seems <laughs> I, like I, I, I see I see a beast within. <laughs> beast within is the, the yeah, best. That's, like, that's imagine a control deck with this, right? You, you come yeah. down, you beast within some stuff, you make some food tokens, and like you stabilize the board, right? Something with like maybe like indestructible, but now becomes just a 3-3, three, three, you know, vanilla. And then you just sweep the board. Uh, there's there's a lot that 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 plus one I think is pretty big. I mean, on a going three up to mana planeswalker, going up to six loyalty is definitely scary. I, I'm going to go off the deep end, guys. It's going to be modern playable. Ooh, <laughs> you're going to see it show up somewhere in modern. Wait, what Simic decks are there in modern? I don't know. Simic is a bad color combination, <laughs> but the b- ability to beast within something like at will, so you can now beast within any artifact combo. Uh, yeah, and you know problematic creatures, and you can swap and gain control of things. I, I think that three that goes up to six loyalty. I think it has a shot in modern somewhere. But as Krim said, Simic is usually a very bad color, so I, I don't know if we have enough Simic decks. It is nice mm. though being able to turn an artifact into a creature, like you had mentioned, and then just like I don't know, being able to cast a board wipe. And have it actually do something. Whereas that seems like so ambitious, though. Like yeah, building a multi-card combo to make your damnation work—is that really? No, you, you just modern? have like <laughs> a Tarmogoyf or something yeah. that blanks all their three threes, right? Like you can give them as many three threes as they want, but they're not doing anything with it. I mean, yeah, well, like oh, over well, over artifact, time. I think well, nice Batter Skull there, nice Stoneforge Mystic, nice Sword <laughs> of the Meek, nice Urza any combo piece right next oblivion stone like i don't know there's lots of things you can hit right it's free yeah, okay. it's free every turn also that i guess that's just my thing it's, it's a free beast within every turn but beast within doesn't really see play like, it doesn't because giving your opponent a three three is usually pretty bad because then they beat you down with, with a yeah, yeah three, three. you die to the three that's, three. that's why you have the food to offset the whole yeah. yeah that undoes one attack from from the with beast with a token you give your opponent it, it could be key that it could be what keeps you alive like getting hit for three versus just losing to a combo or something like that that's that's true. That's well. Maybe it's better than I give it credit for. Uh, uh, you guys are sort of winning me over a little bit, but I'm still skeptical of this one. All right, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to go to the brewing table here. <laughs> We're it's gonna t- have to make an Oko and Five O a modern yeah. league. But how can it fit into Jund, Richard? You, you can, can you splash, can can you splash it in your Jund Ren deck? six into Oko, and then it We're becomes gonna go a five color Jund. Okay, five <laughs> color Jund. Jund splash other two colors. <laughs> it's like turn two, uh, Stragger Root guys. Turn three, oh Liliana. <laughs> Don't worry about bad. We, we have Astrolabe. It's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have seriously tried to brew some weird decks with Astrolabe. I'm like, what are It's Astrolabe. It's fine. And then you never get the snow mana. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, 
Many people have been waiting for the return of Garrick, and Garrick is here as the Huntsman in this world. So Garrick cursed Huntsman, four black and a green, five starting loyalty, zero create two, two, two black and green wolf creature tokens with when this creature dies, put a loyalty counter on each Garrick you control, minus three, destroy target creature, draw a card, Minus six, you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus three, plus three, and have trample. This is a Planeswalker I think is the most busted in the set. This card, I don't remember who I first saw make this comparison, uh, but it is very similar, I think, to Elspeth Sun's Champion. I think, and Elspeth was very good in stand. That was like one of the key control finishers and uh, mid-range finishers even in like Abzan style decks when it was in standard still shows up in modern sometimes is like a one of Garrick is a lot like Elspeth Sun Champion multiple tokens every single turn a negative that can destroy something and then an ultimate that is essentially like a permanent anthem and evasion for your creatures it's set up almost exactly like Elspeth Sun's Champion two two twos with that zero ability every turn how do you beat that how do you get through that we were talking about the three mana planeswalkers not protecting protecting themselves this protects itself insanely well and eventually those wolves die you get extra loyalty you ultimate have a permanent overrun for all your creatures and just kill your opponent it seems like an insane like salti control finisher golgari control finisher i was thinking five color planeswalker abzan like any sort of mid-ranger control deck i expect it's like better for and for was very good back in her day like before we got more sets in standard this is almost like just a strict upgrade on six mana Vraska. I mean, this card is really dumb. There's no counterplay to it. The counterplay is you actually counterspell it, right? Because, you know, six mana, five loyalty, it comes down to wolf tokens. If you try to attack Garrick, they chump block. Next turn, they overrun permanently, right? And that one remaining wolf becomes a five five, right? Like, or you leave it alone and then Garrick gets to make even more wolves and gets to destroy things at will. So I don't know what the count the, the counterplay is like a hero's downfall type effect, but you definitely can't use combat. And uh God forbid you have a sack outlet, right? Because you can come down, make wolf tokens, sack one, and then just ultimate. Guys, guys, uh, guys, guys. You, so you're, yeah. You're missing the curve of Tulsimir. <laughs> Into this. I like I, I get that. Like this is a very good card, and don't get me wrong, but Samir. <laughs> also, the the flash wolf thing. Maybe I'm thinking obviously very small ball here, but like like I, I am trying to make wolves happen now. All right, this this is a thing, and you even get to play adorable ferocious pup. There it is. <laughs> Garrick might be good enough to make wolves. Into I, I a think thing. he's good enough Although, to carry the deck. I don't, carry I don't the deck. Whoa! <laughs> Slow down, Richard. Slow down. Like Let's not say right? things it's you like can't Whatever take you have in back. your deck, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. I'm going to fight your entire board down, and then you're going to feel bad about saying Garrick's carrying, because it's Tulsimir. <laughs> but yeah, I think this card... Do you think this card has any chances showing up in older formats no 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 okay. <laughs> it's too slow it doesn't do anything elspeth though but elspeth, elspeth doesn't even see played older formats elspeth play sees Jund, some play it's even in the colors in modern it does see it, it shows up in control decks as a yeah one of as a singleton or like a one-up like finisher yeah yeah i mean wouldn't you rather play grave titan but then it's like 2019 you don't play grave titan you play primeval titan no, <laughs> the field of the dead to give you a grave titan anyway, right? Like, I, I think, I think though, grave titan is a sweet card. Trust me, I forced that in modern for actually up until a very recent point. Um, and uh, the the thing is though, Elspeth is just it's just better because you get to keep doing it. every turn. Um, it doesn't Elspeth have for to the attack. sweeper Gideon if you want the targeted. Yep, I am kind of excited for Garrick Tribal though, since it puts a loyalty counter on all of your Garricks. So I think. Uh, that's what I want to do with it. Krim can play Wolf Tribal. I'll play Garrick Tribal. We'll do we'll do a battle. See who wins. Oh, what you need is oh Oath of Gideon or whatever. The thing that gives you plus one loyalty, so you can just come down and ultimate. Or just like I didn't doubling season on curve I didn't even doubling see season. That actually, put a loyalty counter on each Garrick you control. Yeah. yeah. So if there's more Garricks floating around, Except you can for like really go what? crazy. Garrick is not exactly the cheapest planeswalker, although it is it is nice though. You can curve Garrick's, right? You go yeah. wild speaker into relentless into 
What's the five yeah. drop? Primal Hunter into Cursed Huntsman into Apex Wait. Predator? Boom. There's your deck. Wait, yeah. How does anyone beat that? <laughs> is I mean, how does it wait what's the story of Garrett? How did he get to this plane? Does it like does that is that explained to us yet? Or or because I thought I, he was an apex predator and now he's like the slave of Oko. Wasn't he cursed last I I don't know. I, uh, I'm we, sure we don't it know probably was explained, is, but, but, but he represents I don't know it. the hunter or the huntsman in all of the fairy tale movies, so And he looks like Doctor Doom with a cloak. <laughs> Seth, that's a superhero. He, Oh, really, <laughs> really small since we last saw him. He's like really big now. <laughs> yeah, those guns have only gotten bigger. Look at those biceps. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but as we're podcasting, there was a new mythic. So we might as well hit it up. Oh. Questing Beast. Two green green. So four CMC, four four. Legendary creature beast. Vigilance. Death touch. Haste. Questing Beast can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. Whenever Questing Beast deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that players controls. Or did, you, did you guys catch this? So it's a four mana four Vigilance, <laughs> Death Touch, Haste. Can't be blocked with creatures power two or less, so Steel Leaf Champion. Yep. Uh, combat damage dealt by your creatures can't be prevented. And when it deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to a planeswalker that player controls. Does it have haste? Oh, Lord. It does. Vigilance, it does. death, Vigilance, touch, haste. Okay. Death, touch, okay. haste. Okay. Because if it didn't have haste, I don't know how good this would be. But <laughs> that is a I lot mean, it's a four of mana text. four four with like eight million abilities on it. And it's legendary. Uh, it's so legendary. You just get it's embarrassed legendary. by like a, a well, actually, cast down rotates, right? Yeah. I mean, that seems pretty good. Like a four yeah. four for four is good. A four four for four with vigilance, death, touch, haste. That yeah. would already just be a good card. And then it has like three three extra. <laughs> like it beats random protection for some reason. With the damage can't be prevented. It kills planeswalkers. Like how can this card not be good? Like it's just got so many words on it. Except so for it one thing. Depends if they make a four mana like five five. Then this card is like trash right because it just I, trades right like well, we, remember pelucranos we're like wow this car is so good and then like eh, turns out it's not that good i mean yeah pelucranos was pretty sweet because that that was a format of five five and with a crazy upside but i i think this card is is very good i mean at the very worst yeah like it has death touch it can trade i don't know i i like that i like that. it can't get chump blocked i i, I think the card's pretty sweet i think, I think it's, it's really good but it could be just not good depending and, on what else they put in the set but i mean we're also in like we're the spark standard where everyone's like playing 14 planeswalkers or something absurd so <laughs> i i like that wizards is like seems to be intentionally printing cards in throne of Eldorain to be able to fight the busted stuff from more of the spark and um, with this card being one of them oh i forgot that i, I used blue that's the wrong example it was the golgari thing the four man of four five that when like something died it scried and everyone was like wow this is like the greatest card ever but it's had no play oh, because no. of Pelucranos I think there's a there's another new mythic there's another new mythic Embercleave refresh Embercleave Embercleave yeah <laughs> alright Embercleave we're never ending this podcast <laughs> 4 mana uh, so 6 CMC 4 red red legendary artifact equipment Flash. This spell costs one less for each attacking creature you control. When Embercleave enters the battlefield, attach it to target creature you control. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has double strike and trample. Equip three. Huh. That is a weird card. Yeah. It's like a combat trick. It's a combat trick, right? It's... What is the spell that actually does that? There's like a three mana instant that gave plus one, plus one, double strike and trample. Like a couple of sets ago. Interesting. But so you basically... Attack with a bunch of creatures, cast this for cheap, it attaches to something, and then does And then lots you can move damage. it around in the future if you want to, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think this is, like, broken or anything, but if for two mana, it's probably... Like, if you have enough creatures where you're casting this for two mana, it's probably pretty I mean, strong you, in an aggro Are you deck. ever attacking with six creatures and not winning already? <laughs> like, well, you only need you only need four, to, well, four creatures. to get it to two mana, but still, yeah. I guess, that, like, maybe a bunch of tokens or something, some sort of go-wide... I don't know. But if you have go wide, giving your creature plus one, plus one. I feel like this is more EDH. I think this card's bad. Yeah. Like, you it's need to standard. go wide with a single big creature, right? Because you need that double strike and trap. Like, giving your one, one 
two two double strike trample is not really the end of the world, right? <laughs> like it needs to be a big creature. All right, I'm gonna have to go there. What if you fetch this with Stoneforge Mystic? Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> not, is there any one... world in which this is useful? <laughs> <laughs> my my Stoneforge swings for two now. <laughs> like yeah, like how about? Death Shadow. You like grab one of these and stick it on a Death Shadow? I think the problem is Death Shadow usually only has like one or two creatures attacking. So, so it's going to be hard mana. to get it cheap. Like but if no, somehow no. you could have Death Shadow it. and it was two mana. Huh? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you could cheat in to play with Stoneforge. I, I don't know if I want to. But then you like Batter Skull and gain life and your Death Shadow dies. No, no, you, you, don't, you don't put Batter Skull in your deck. You only put Embercleave and it acts like a team or battle rage. Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you don't want to put Batter Skull in your Death Shadow deck. Like gain yeah, for that's... life, all oh, my Death Shadow die. Okay, misplay. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, next up, we have Rankle, Master of Pranks. Two black, black, legendary creature, Fairy Rogue, 3-3, three, three, Flying, Haste. When Rankle deals combat damage to a player, choose any number. Each player discards a card. Each player loses one life and draws a card. Each player sacrifices a creature. I like this card. I I like this card a lot, actually. It's a 3-3 Flying Haste in, in standard. I think uh, the... the the choose any number mode had me a little puzzled at first because like wait so i can do uh, like uh, you know what and in what order but yeah it's top down so never mind i can't yeah make it so you can do zero to three of these yeah but you can or do one zero, of each one, two. yeah but not multiple times of a certain mode correct yeah i i still like it i still like it i mean maybe maybe i have a bias because it's a fairy and i, I like fairies uh so flying haste already on its own pretty solid so most of the time i feel like it's going to connect i don't know i mean i like or maybe you go grixis and you give it trample with the royal scions that curves perfectly boom i don't know other I, than that I, so so all of these effects are symmetrical so you have yeah. to find some way to break it and the easiest way is you have token creatures and then uh, you know, you sacrifice your token, they sacrifice their real creature, and then you basically just lock them out of the game so they can't cast creatures. Uh, that's the only... Yeah. So, so if we have, like, an actual Bitter Blossom type card... We do, kinda. We have, yeah. We're just talking about Red Horde Invasion. No, one that actually makes fairies for your oh, fairy deck. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Mediocre Blossom is, is solid. <laughs> so when I first read this card, I was like, okay, it seems fine if you build around it. Maybe you can build a deck that, like, uses Blood for Bones to reanimate what you discard. Or you can play, like, Judith, Aristocrats, and, like, use the sacrifice for value. But the more I've thought about this card, I think that it's just, like good on its own if you consider it's a three hasty damage and can be four hasty damage thanks to forcing your opponent to draw a card and take a damage that's just a pretty scary card in an aggro deck i imagine you just like curving out your knight of even legion and do whatever into judith into this and attacking and just like winning the game essentially when you hit for four in the air and sack something to trigger judith so i think this is just like a scary threat in any sort of like Rakdos aggro style deck, even discounting all the abilities and stuff. Even if you're just like hitting for three in the air, maybe getting extra damage from the card draw ability. I think that's good enough in standard to be very strong, like a lightning angel or a mantis rider or something with upside. Yeah. I mean, and also once again, you had mentioned in a Rakdos style deck. So maybe you swing in, you get each player's sack, you sack your like dread horde butcher, which will then blow their blow up in their face for like, I don't know, maybe an X amount of damage at that point. Yeah, All that's, right. a, that's good. Is this modern playable? <laughs> Will I make <laughs> it? Like, can I can I register this for a modern event? Yeah. Yes. Can you, yes, can I you register can. <laughs> and actually have an impact on the games in which you cast it? <laughs> if I'm... Okay, so, like, I do want to. You know I want to with Bitter Blossom and all this. Other, like, every... Like, when this set gets officially released, I'm going to try a lot of things in fairies. But it does kind of just get bolted. <laughs> <laughs> and but, pushed with revolt, like push. it yeah. dies to everything. I, I'm the, gonna say it's just dies like completely to unplayable. Removal argument, though, you know, but it has like, haste. It has haste. You probably get I in there. <laughs> the dies to removal argument when it's one mana removal and you're casting a four drop. I 
think it's actually like sort of legit. It <laughs> That's is. like time walking yourself when your opponent bolts this. Yeah, the dice removal argument works, I guess. Like it comes down to like that's why like what does the creature do immediately and you know does it leave anything behind? Uh yeah, okay. That 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 makes sense. I agree with that. It's just eh. <laughs> at the same time if uh, I wait. have I okay, think about it. it you, you'll have spell stutter sprites to maybe eat one of those one mana removal and spells. If- <laughs> if you have your three mana to fairy out, they can't blow you out at instant speed. Exactly. So you at least get in one hit. Yeah. You okay. know, Esper okay. Fairies just popped up on the five O like list, and I was like, yo. <laughs> if this I thing had that. flash, I think it'd be a different story. Well, yeah, but, but if it, it had flash, I think this would be way too strong, right? I still dies to bolt even if it has flash. Not if I have a three mana to fairy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Circle of Loyalty, our last mythic for today. Four white, white, legendary artifact. This spell costs one less for each knight you control. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever you cast a legendary spell, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. Two and a white tap, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. Uh, If knight? tribal is a thing that seems really good obviously super narrow in that if you're not playing night tribal it's just unplayable i like that the when you cast a legendary like looking at knights they don't seem to be too legendary theme i know we're supposed to be getting some legendary knights i don't have super high hopes that we're gonna have like a ton of legendary knights in standard night tribal but i like that the legendary ability gives you protection for drawing multiples like worst case it's a two mana two two when you cast the second copy and legend rule yourself so you're getting some value and maybe that lets you play four of them but i think if you're playing night tribal i'm probably playing four of these in my night tribal deck otherwise uh, i don't think it has a shot if you're casting it for like five or six mana it I mean, depends if we have history banalia <laughs> it's it's kind of like, weird that like this comes in at a time where like ariel or like aria just rotates and then you know history banalia rotates some pretty big knight cards also like the the two mana two two knights that have hex proof or i mean uh whatever hex proof from certain colors i, I don't know feels like w- wow w- why did this come out right now why not the set before for historic we gotta have some reason to oh yeah, to yeah, yeah hold yeah, on yeah, to your yeah, knight cards through it's rotation. too expensive <laughs> it needs to be four mana i think well it gets ah uh, yeah, it's like true. you have two knights out. Like this is the perfect time, right, to like play your anthem effect, but then the thing still costs like a million mana. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is still pretty solid. I mean, it, you just you, you get enough knights in this set, and I mean, you already are seeing a ton of knights. Like, are we, are we assuming there are no sweepers in the set? Like, well, <laughs> you have well, two even, knights on the board, you need to commit like four more. Uh, like, if, if they don't, if they don't have the sweeper, though, you know what I mean. And it also like punishes <laughs> people like me who want to get greedy with their sweepers. Like, oh, it's fine. What if we just wait a turn <laughs> or something like that? Obviously, now there's uh, no. Now we you can't. have food tokens to stabilize, so you're good. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> food food tokens don't help the fact that they get to resolve this though, and and whatnot, because no one plays counter magic. I don't like this. I'm actually surprised. That it's a mythic in this set. Do you think it's standard playable? Do you think we'll see I, it? I think it's standard Even in a playable. night deck? Yeah, I think it's standard playable. I think it's great in a night deck. I think, like, if there's a night deck, this is probably one of the reasons the night deck is going to be good. Yeah. Isn't History of Benalia, like, a million times better? But it's, oh, it's going to rotate. History of Benalia. Yeah. Like, that's, not, but, that's not part of the equation anymore. But yes, even then, History of Benalia is probably We didn't have night better, decks, but. right? Yeah, but we but we do know that Knights is one of the main supported tribes from Throne That's of Valkyrie, though. So we'll I mean, see. Like, I'm not convinced Knights will get enough support, but if they get enough support, I expect this would be a part of the Knight deck in Standard. You'll get... Yeah. I mean, think about it. There's Wintermore Commander. That's kind of like a cool card. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there'll be enough Knights that we can build a Knight deck. Whether or not we have enough Knights that it's like a legit top-tier competitive deck, I think that is what remains to be seen at this point. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to see with the rest of the spoilers. But I mean, I could, I'm just saying I think that we could definitely have something for that. And we have some good hold, like Knight of Eben Legion still there, yep. Midnight Reaper's still there. Murderous uh, Rider. All the Cavaliers are technically Knights, which I didn't realize until I was researching, but all the Cavalier Cycle are Knights. Uh, so mm-hmm. we do have some holdovers. And you'd have the fi- yeah, the, the, the Black Cavalier. Who I actually really like that card. And it can get back your Murderous Rider, I guess, if you want. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, we're not there yet. Hold on. Hold on. Actually, we'll just go there right now. Murderous Rider. <laughs> <laughs> One black black. It's a zombie knight. 
Okay, it has this new mechanic adventure. So what adventure is, is on the card, you're going to see like a little storybook and it has an adventure and it has the main card. So you can cast your adventure. Uh, it's an instant or sorcery. You exile it as you cast it, right? So it's just a normal spell. And then uh, after your adventure, you can cast it as a creature or you can cast it directly as a creature. So uh, here's an example. One black black murderous rider. Two, three, lifelink. When murderous rider dies, put it on the bottom of its owner library. Uh, its adventure is swift end. One black black instant adventure. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. You lose two life. Do you remember how good Hero's Downfall was? Like, that was staple removal spell. And that was in old standard before Wizards decided to put 38 Planeswalkers and more of this bark and make <laughs> Chandra tribal and in Corset 2020. So I feel like this is just staple removal spell. Like, I don't even care. Like, it's an upside that you could cast it as a creature. It's cool that you can, like, cast it as card advantage from your exile zone, and then it dies and goes back in your deck. Maybe you can, like, shuffle and draw it again. But just being, like, a slightly worse hero's downfall, I think means it's going to be a four of in a lot of decks, just because there's so many good planeswalkers you want to kill. Yeah, and, and, and like, I mean, I remember after, like, the hero's downfall rotated, we... Got like what, like a, a ruinous path eventually, and like that was sorcery speed, and we were playing that. Uh, but the, yeah. the fact that it's the return of an instant speed that's a bit cheaper, uh, not as mana intensive like Bedevil, I, I, I'm a fan. Like power creep, anyone? Like, do you believe any of these cards? Like, you <laughs> I mean, basically hero's downfall, and then you get to quote unquote flashback a three mana two three life link. But if you somehow bounce it, you get to reset all of this. So Wait, bounce it, you know. If Krim wants the Teferi Murder Spider, <laughs> you get a card, you get another hero's downfall, and afterwards you get another two, three life linker offsetting your two yeah. life. And for some reason, it's a knight and zombie as well. Like, you know, two pushed tribes. Like, what? I This set and this mechanic, uh, what is the card from Corset 2020 that lets you bounce your own creatures? It's like a blue artifact. But, oh. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, you it's use like it to pick up your Frostlings in Limited. <laughs> <laughs> the the Erratic Portal card. What what is it? Yeah. Portal of Sanctuary. It's three yes. mana artifact. Pay one. You can bounce a creature and all auras on it back to your hand. Seems insane with a lot of these adventure cards. I'm like excited to try to build Portal of Sanctuary with these adventure cards. Yeah, that, that, that's just like that a Planeswalker lock. Sweet, you like kill a Planeswalker, cast it, bounce it back to your hand. Kill something else, bounce it back to your hand. The life link lets you undo the life loss. Only one attacker block undoes the life loss that you spend to kill something. I think this card's really good. I expect this to just be like standard staple. Okay, yeah. is this modern playable? <sighs> no one plays Heroes Downfall, right? Everyone no. leans on Assassin's Trophy. Blue black decks do. Maybe like a one of. Like it's not like heavily played, right? Even if you do play it. Yeah, it's like one or two of. It's not like a. Four Would of. you? So here's a good question. It's a zombie. You can get back grave crawlers. <laughs> if if you were gonna play Heroes Downfall, would you just play this instead? Is this a better Heroes Downfall? I like it because it's also a clock. I yeah. don't like that it makes me lose two life in modern when I'm already taking five. Pro like everyone starts at fifteen pretty much in modern. So Thought seizes and shocks and yeah. fetches. Like another way to lose life in your blue black deck seems a little sketchy. Although it does help you gain it back if it lives. If it lives, which is, you know how we were talking about the dies to a bolt and all that other stuff? Like, I the mean, other if, thing, they, if they bolted it, you're fine with that exchange, right? Yeah, I guess. The other thing that's kind of interesting is in your hand or your deck, it's the creature part that matters, right? So, uh, like, a creature tutor would find this. Mm -hmm. You can Oath that of correct? Nissa. So yep. you could, like, Oath of Nissa for it. There's another card that we're about to talk about in a second that lets you dig five deep for a creature. So you can, like, find your spells with these, like, creature-based tutor effects, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I actually kind of... Like, it's interesting. So this card, maybe not so much uh, because you can destroy a Planeswalker, but it's like removal, but it's also a clock. So let's say you're playing Ace of Control deck and you just want to lay down like a three mana, two, three beater. So otherwise your removal would be dead, you know, like a fatal push. But if you have this thing, uh, you might hold it for Teferi anyway. So maybe that's not a good example. <laughs> but in other cases, just laying it down as a three mana, two, three and having it be this like weird split card. Uh, is not bad. On the adventure uh, mechanic in general, I think this is... I love these cards, but I think this is another example of Wizards uh, designing a bit for best of one. Not so much with this card, because I think this is just like a four of main deck card, but we see like there's the, the red 
two, two one for two, that's also just blow up an artifact for one mana. Stuff like that's a way you can sneak sideboard cards into your main deck and still, like, not get punished. Because you can't just play one mana, like, smelt. You can't play smelt in your standard deck, but you can play a two one for one that can also smelt. So I think it's really nice uh, how Wizards has designed so many of these, like, flexible mechanics lately. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, let's move on to Once Upon a Time. One and a green. Instant. If this spell is the first spell you've cast this game, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them and put them in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Wizards, a free spell. Wizards, wizards, hmm. wizards. Remember, it's not, it's not a basic land, a creature or a land. <laughs> I can't think of a spell. That's looking Why? for Gristlebrand uh, and has Allosaurus Rider. Uh, that's, Tron that's, components. Yep. Well, like, you know, like, I can't think of any decks that really want that, you know? <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. This card is sweet. I think this will be, uh, this I can definitely see getting played in modern. Yeah, so I think is it, I'm is it more good excited enough? about it in modern. Yeah. Is, is it good enough? Like, Neo, so why here's would the, the downside. Want this? No, no. So you, obviously the free one you want, right? But you have to put four of these in your deck so you actually get it in your opener. The next ones cost two. Like, does that actually, is that a downside or is the upside of the first one good enough? I think you, I don't think you play this fairly really in modern. I think if you're playing like maybe Vizier Druid combo, Neo Brand combo, something where you're just like trying to kill as quickly as possible with creatures, then yeah. I think you don't care. Like, this is a free tutor on turn zero. If you draw it later in the game, either your opponent's already dead because you comboed off or you're probably not going to win because you didn't combo off. So in those type of decks, I don't really see much downside to it if you're trying to kill by like turn two or three. Uh, in fair instant. decks, a little bit, a little bit less likely to see play. I don't know if I would just play this for value. We have like Grizzly Salvage is essentially the same card, except uh, you can't cast it for free uh, if you have it as your first spell, and that doesn't really see play in modern. So I don't know. I think it's like to support those degenerate fast combo decks in modern more than just to like play fairly for two mana. Is Tron a degenerate deck or is it a fair deck? I'm actually not sure <laughs> about Tron. Like, <laughs> I consider it degenerate. Fetch Tron pieces. <laughs> I but consider it very degenerate. <laughs> is it better? Like, what would you take out of Tron to play this? I think it's worse than Ancient Stirrings. Karn, and then also the Ulamogs. <laughs> I think. I think. What if, what if they ban Stirrings and then just? <laughs> if they ban Stirrings, then I think you play it. Yeah, but I think Stirrings is just on, better. Stirrings is whiffing just on better. your Planeswalkers, not hitting your random cycle artifacts. I think the whiff potential is much higher than Ancient Stirrings and Tron with this card. Okay, yeah. here's the real question. Do you think this card is safe for modern? Do you think we'll see an emergency ban, or did Wizards actually think this through, test it all <laughs> out, and they're like, no, it's fine, guys. Like, you know, there's downsides and there's counterplay to this. Or they're like, oh, we don't think about modern whatsoever, guys. We just wanted Once Upon a Time for top-down design. <laughs> it is flavorful. I, it I is. think it is it hilarious is that you play this on turn zero and you have to say once upon a time like you're telling your opponent a story. Like I, I do love that aspect of the card. They like go to play like their their other first upkeep before they play their line. You're just like, hey again, once upon a time, <laughs> Crystal Brand came. <laughs> uh, I don't think it will get banned, but it might hasten the banning of something like uh, Neoform if one of those decks takes off too much. Like I don't think it's safe for modern, and I don't like that it supports fast combo decks primarily, but I don't know if this is a problem or like maybe it's that Neo brand is the problem or whatever. So this would not be the problematic card. It's a good yeah. it's a sweet card, but it's not the problematic card. It just adds like a little bit more consistency to some of the fast combo decks that are like their only real drawback is they lose to themselves sometimes by not being consistent enough. So I don't think once upon a time is a problem, but it might make those combo decks just just consistent enough that maybe Neo Brand or uh, something like that, Vizier Druid, actually is in the conversation for banning. <laughs> I do. I, I do I think, think this card will get banned. Eventually. Really, you think this will be the problematic card? Yes. I, because why, why they not, can't why keep not, banning like, every. Brand, because they can't keep banning like every single combo deck, right? And Wizards keeps giving like these combo decks proactive ways to for free do things, and we saw this with Hogak, right? Free spells are bad because we don't have free answers. And we don't have free answers. So either Wizards sure just keeps do. banning these combo decks, 
right? Uh, and now we have force of negation, which if you want to really force a negation once upon a time, you're going to feel super bad, right? What about the, but, the black force? I, I guess. That's a, <laughs> right? a free-ish answer. Uh, but, but I feel like Wizards has never done... Like, free mana just breaks the game. Free spells breaks the game because the entirety of magic is balanced around this resource called mana. And it always breaks the game. So, you know, Phyrexian mana, Delve, Convoke, like all this stuff always leads to broken things. So I think Once Upon a Time just just hastens that. I, uh, but, like, I feel like, I don't know, what, what it does, although, like, it, it's only free, once again, if it's the first spell you've cast. And I don't know, I... <laughs> I, I think there is enough of a drawback to where this is like how often do you think this will be f- the free spell like are you sitting there and waiting until this becomes the free spell or because like at that point you're just like slowing down your game plan for no reason right I don't know I, I no, think there's you, a very... you take a good deck right and then this just makes you win like 5 or 10% of the time more when it's in your opening hand like it just adds consistency to you know an all in combo deck which we have all in combo decks that aren't entirely consistent, right? Right. Like, so yeah, like Neo Brand and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It, and it's not, it, it's not like casting it fairly as five mana or something. Like, two mana is. It's just like one more than like, you yeah, know, what you would still, actually pay, right? It's still like kind of pretty fine at two mana. Like, that's not why you play it in modern, but you're not going to be embarrassed if you cast this for two mana and get your Tron land or get your combo piece or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't. I, I don't think the card is like bad by any means just for two mana. And, and the fact that it's instant is very sweet. So like, I don't have to do it on my turn, but is this something I'd really ban? I don't know. I, I don't see this being banned. It, speaking of instant speed, I kind of like this in standard for the Simic flash deck. Like it triggers yeah. your Brineborns. It digs for your big flash threats. You can leave up counter magic and like all of your creatures. And if you decide you don't need to cast something, you can cast this and dig for whatever finisher you need. So I, I think that's the most obvious home in standard where even casting it at two man in standard at instant speed, that's pretty fine for standard. I, I Not exciting see, for modern, but in standard. I can see this being played fairly in standard. Like, yeah. As it, a fair style of deck so and like maybe werewolves. like sometimes you get free value out of it but even if you're casting it for two mana you're perfectly fine with that in standard yeah all right we're going long so last card we're going to talk about today love struck beast three mana creature beast noble five five love struck beast can't attack unless you control a one one creature uh heart's desire is its adventure at sorcery a single green mana Create a one-one human creature token. I think this card's great. I think this card's great. Yeah, I, I, I probably would have liked this card. I like the flavor. I think I was higher on this this card before we started the podcast, and then they spoiled Questing Beast. And compared (laughs) to Questing Beast, why would you play Lovestruck Beast? (laughs) Well, this is one mana cheaper. Cheaper (laughs) to trade. That's true. That's true. And and it it can block. It can still block. It just can't attack unless you have a one-one. I think it's decent. I mean, the stats are good. Five, five for three. That's good. As far as like these drawback cards, having a one, one, if you build around it a little bit, especially since it provides a one, one. Yeah. Seems like one of the lesser drawbacks. Although sometimes you're still going to be really sad when your one, one dies and this can't attack. I think it's fine. I don't think this is broken or some like example of power creep or anything. But if there's like a, some sort of green base deck with tokens that are making a lot of one ones naturally, then it seems like a pretty reasonable threat. I mean, this, I this on its own cur- helps you curve out, right? Like I, I, yeah, I, I love that. I love that you get to turn one, just make a one one. And then turn to, I don't know, for the sake of this once upon a time or something, who cares? <laughs> right? And then, and then, and then you get to play this on three. I don't know. I mean, imagine if like I actually sat down and didn't just throw once upon a time in there. There's, there's probably something that you could do on two and go right into love struck beast. I, I, I think this card is sweet. It helps you fill out your curve. You could, uh, turn to raise the alarm to ensure love struck beast keeps going. Yeah. I actually agree with Seth here. So when you look at this card, you're like, wow, it is actually really good. And I'm more high on this card than Seth is. I actually think a three mana five five, the downside is minimal. It comes with a one one staple to it. And yeah, I don't know, you can fetch up a dryad arbor or something, right? Like, I don't know. There's probably one one token makers in the set. However, after reading all of the cards that we've gotten so far, like power creep seems pretty high in the set. I don't know that a three mana five five is gonna cut it anymore. Right? Given questing beast, given things like murderous rider, like the, these cards are so powerful and it seems like games will be so grindy and long. I don't know how valuable 
this three mana five five with certain downside is. So in a normal set, I would think this is crazy, but the cards seem really strong in uh, in Throne of Eldraine. I I still think it's pretty solid. I I think it's fine even even with things like that. And and you know why why pit them against each other when you play them together in the that same deck that is true that is a lot to handle for an opponent right let's let's say there's a two mana three two which i'm most certain there will be <laughs> right you go like one mana one one two mana three two yeah, three mana five five fights flyers if 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 that's still in standard right four the, mana yeah, four four like haste barkhide <laughs> troll i think yeah yeah, like, but we are losing like Steel Leaf Champion. We're losing Wayward Swordtooth, Jade Light Ranger. There is arguably a hole in the green three drop slot. And if mono green is going to be a thing or something base green aggro, then maybe this just is like the new Steel Leaf Champion or whatever that like just fills in in that slot in that deck. Well, Steel Leaf Champion was green, 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 which means you basically had to be mono green to play that thing, right? It was a three mana five four. So this is a three mana five five in which you can actually play other colors. and you know. But Steel Leaf could also always attack. I think like, does your mono green deck want to play enough one powered creatures to make this into a steel leaf champion losing lanor like elf is a thing there. yeah but steel leaf champion is a really gone. good card lanor elf we'll rotates get, we'll get an arbor elf or a lanor elf i would say no i think it's the, the bad bird <laughs> <laughs> yes. we have the goose the oh the goose is a zero two it doesn't even power it up doesn't even turn it on it oh, only no. makes mana every other turn <laughs> but <laughs> the goose yo that card is sweet <laughs> Also, fun fact, there's a new wolf that got spoiled. Just saying. That's all. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> oh, so many cards. I feel... Why? What is with the pacing of this? We're on day one of spoilers, and I think we've gotten, like, more than half of the mythics. It feels like we've gotten half of the rares. The pacing is insane. I feel like we've just gotten most of the set just thrown on us instantly on the first day of spoiler season. No complaints here. Yeah. Pacing is weird. Spoiler season starts on Monday, but let us drop like a fifth of the set before. <laughs> and then a lot of the mythics and rares. I'm not sure why they're doing this, but I mean, we have lots of cards. And yeah. The set looks insane. Like, this might be one of my favorite sets when it's all said and done. It might be my favorite set, really. Like, the flavor is good. The cards seem powerful. Uh, I don't know how anyone can really dislike this set. The art is amazing. The all art cards are like stunning. Like the murderous rider with the the unique border and all the like fairy tale art cards. Mm-hmm. They look insanely good. They're just like so beautiful. Uh, so I feel like Wizards nailed it with this set. Like uh, one of the upsides of seeing so many cards so quickly is you can actually kind of like start to judge the set a little bit, even though it's the first official day of spoiler season and the set looks great. It looks just absolutely way better than I would have ever guessed. And I was very hyped for this set when they announced it. And I think it's exceeding my expectations so far. Yeah. I really like the promotional cards. Uh, so it's not just like different art, right? It's art in this very specific style, like this, like dark fairy uh, fairy tale style so i like that it's different art uh but it's like a different flavor of art kind of like the japanese planeswalkers yeah Uh, it's like a different style right and it's not just random art right so you could actually bling out your deck with all of the um alternate borders it looks really good I really hope it comes to arena as card style. It's got to, right? They, they, they gotta, they gotta will. put them on there. Oh, I, I will probably, I am very anti cosmetics for myself. I just normally <laughs> don't think they're money, but uh, worth the money, but I'm probably going to buy these because they just look so insane. I'm going to break, break my own rules you, you about only spending money on real cards. But every set, you're like, oh, this new cosmetic is so good. <laughs> they keep printing really cool cosmetics. Maybe <laughs> I'm, maybe they're winning me over. This Seth is finally coming around to the <laughs> they idea might be of cosmetics. Winning me over to cosmetics just by printing such cool ones. <laughs> but yeah, they put a smiley face in the top left corner. It's really small. I think I'm going to buy this cosmetic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for our gingerbread people. This, this yeah. better not let me down. <laughs> yeah, there, we know there's like from the preview arts, there's something with a gingerbread house. Like I I, I don't care what that is. <laughs> like I just I want that in my life. We know there's a su- oh another thing before we got to move on. This is such a long podcast, but uh, uh, another thing we learned: no dual land cycle, but there is a rare land cycle, presumably to support the mono colored theme. So maybe that's where the gingerbread house comes in as part of that uh, rare land cycle. Rare land cycle. I'm surprised there's no temples. 
I'm I'm surprised there's no dual lands either. Uh, I'm very surprised by that, but maybe we'll get like Amiria's and there's been some cool monocolored land cycles in its time. So maybe they're going to be super cool. I I thought they were just going to finish out the temple cycle because what we got from M20. Yeah, I'm sure maybe they'll finish it in the next set. I'm sure we won't have like the unbalanced lands for all of standard, but it sounds like we're going to have to wait until Return to Theros which I guess that's when we first got the temples, yeah. right? So maybe yeah. they're just holding the rest of the temples for return to Theros in the winter. Anyway, um, fish mail. Yeah, let's uh, let's hit up some fish mail real quick. We're running a bit long, but we got to get in at least some of your questions. So, Richard, fish mail us. All right, if you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, at Kigizumi, I don't know, I'm sorry. If food tokens find themselves spread throughout all colors and are pretty commonly made, does that just kill Red Deck Winds, Cavalcade, Bird, whatever version it ends up being in standard? Uh, I mean, you still have Tybalt. Tybalt just gets played, played in like higher numbers, maybe even main deckable now. Because it's not like yeah. Tybalt doesn't do anything, right? Tybalt still makes 1-1s. One so far, I don't know. We haven't seen too many playable food cards uh standard wise so i think at this point i would wait and see uh we'll see how powerful and how playable the food cards are but i wouldn't worry about red deck wins at this point and if we don't have red deck wins for a standard like season or for uh part of a standard season maybe that's fine because it feels like (laughs) that deck's been like at the top of standard for like three years now or something Yep. Oh, continuing to set aside our burn players. I actually, I was talking to you guys before the podcast. I actually think they're going to kill modern burn somehow in all of this. There's going to be a randomly playable modern card that makes food tokens, which is enough to like make burn players cry. A Thraven Inspector, if you would, but like not a, actually Thraven Inspector. Better than like that. a bake into pie, but cheaper. Like just like a two mana kill a creature, yeah. create a food token, or like one yeah. mana create a cre- kill a creature. <laughs> Or, or maybe so there's something that, like, I don't know, like, uh, something with pro red that makes a food token that comes into play or something. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they're going to push the food mechanic somewhere. Uh, and then burn players will be sad. <laughs> it has to be a staple, though. We're talking like it, it and all that does, though, I think it, it doesn't end burn. It, let, let's just say they make some absurdly powerful card. That just means like skull cracks get put in the main. Yeah, I guess and that's a, true. And Atarka's commands and things like that. But it's not like Burn is like clearly the best deck, right? It's kind of like playing well, Noble Hierarchy it's really Red popular and Six. right now. I guess that's true. It's like absurdly but, popular right now. But I think we'll see food tokens in Modern somehow. I, I think there'll be a really pushed card in this set and then this will happen. But we'll see. It'll balance I'm, out all the life loss from the early game. I'm, I'm getting my food tokens ready. Can you? <laughs> Just like put a burger, put some in and out on the table. I'm like it's a food token. <laughs> Sorry, don't mind all the grease on the table. <laughs> uh, Diego Ahmed five. Imagine you're a new player and someone tells you historic and standard cost exactly the same amount, but your historic deck will never rotate. Clearly, you'd play historic, right? Doesn't this seem like a fine argument that it needs to be more expensive? I don't actually know if that argument holds true. Like. It doesn't hold true on Hearthstone, apparently, which basically has that system, but Standard on Hearthstone sees way more play than Wild. Plus, the other thing is, like, Standard has way more support than Historic. You have Qs all the time. You can qualify for Mythic Championships or whatever they're called now. Like, uh, there's tournaments you can watch. People are streaming it. So I think even if they're priced the same, most new players, uh, that's where the content is. That's where the deck lists are. That's where you can get sideboard guides and learn how to play decks. So I think most new players would still play Standard, even if the price was the same yeah but i think the actual spirit of the question remains the same right uh like they have to make historic less appealing so it doesn't have to be through price which they're doing currently it could be like seth said right like there's not as much content there's not as much ranked queues there's not as much tournaments if they make it less appealing people will play standard it doesn't have to be through price but they do want everyone to play standard and not historic otherwise they make no money uh, next question. Uh, with Throne of Eldraine coming out and cars like Knight's Charge coming soon, do you think we'll have enough good knights to make Black White Knights Aristocrats a deck for modern? Ooh. Ooh. Um, so far I haven't seen any knights that when I've seen them, they have jumped off the page as like, ooh, that's definitely modern playable. That doesn't mean that we won't get those, but at this point I would say wait and see as far as modern. I think there's a decent chance for standard knights to at least be a semi-playable deck, uh, but not too much has jumped off the page modern-wise, uh, for me at least. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything modern-wise. Yeah. 
Uh, Lord of Meese. After watching the Commander Clash crossover from Vegas, I saw Krim for the first time. Plug, you can watch our SCG crossovers on the SCG <laughs> channel and on the MTG Goldfish YouTube, as long as our Vegas blog, which went up. He was clean shaven, and I'm extremely confused because I thought he had won the Beard Wars. <laughs> I may just be stupid, but can you please elaborate? <laughs> Krim, have you fleeced our, our viewers? What is going on? Oh, no, no, no. It's an emotional beard. I don't actually have a beard. It's an emotional beard. Like, inside, I have, the like, a, a beard that makes everybody shake in fear. But yeah. Krim's mom told him that he had the best beard in the world. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know. And my mom wouldn't lie to me, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, to to yeah, give the short backstory... <laughs> yeah, like for a short backstory, it is just somehow I got there's a beard wars between Seth and Pleasant Kenobi. And somewhere along the way, I was thrown in as just the best beard and I have run with it since. <laughs> I'm still not sure how you actually got involved to begin with, but it's been pretty hilarious to uh, have someone without a beard potentially win the beard war. Like yeah. <laughs> I think that might be the best thing of all. Like it was like on Twitter, you and Vince were tweeting about it, and then people were tagging me as the clear yeah. winner. <laughs> MTG Bobby just saw the Vegas vlog. How tall is Seth? Uh, I am almost six foot four, like six three and a half, I guess. Uh, so fairly tall, I guess, compared to the typical height of people. The so average Seth, Seth is like NFL quarterback tall. Okay, what, what is like the average lineman? Height? Lineman, your lineman. <laughs> More like, I don't know. I think average height's only like 5'10 or 5'11. So like three or four inches over, eh, four or five inches over the average. It doesn't help also, like, if you see any of the photos where Seth is standing next to me, who where I am absurdly short at like 5'5. Five, five. So it's just like, it makes we're, Seth look even taller. We're on the opposite ends of the height spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we should have got the outtake where we were recording intros for Commander Clash and you guys are all standing and I couldn't get you both in the, in the frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, Sit down. <laughs> get some chairs. This isn't working. Now you Put know how. books uh, on my seat. <laughs> how Huey and Marshall feel or whatever when they're trying to do uh, coverage. See, we learned so much. <laughs> It does make sense now. It does make sense. So that's all the time we have for Fish Meal. We had so many previews this week. Uh, so if you have questions, uh, send them again next week, and we'll try to get to them uh, at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Meal. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 241 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks again to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. You can get 5% off over at SpikesAcademy.com with the code GOLDFISH. So until next week, when we should have even more Throne of Eldorain stuff, tons of stuff to talk about. Uh, this is the crew signing out.